Hey friends, welcome to The Groove Lab. I'm your host, Lauren Alexander. Each week, I'll be bringing you a new interview from someone in the music industry. I've been doing a lot of artist interviews, but today I have Natalie Bailey, who is the owner of Lady Savage Management and PR. She has worked with clients who have worked with artists such as Reba McIntyre, Brooks and Dunn, Alan Jackson, Dolly Parton, just to name a few. And she says her mission is to help indie artists, bands, and songwriters make their dreams into reality in a real-life, cost-effective, get-things-done kind of way. So let's get her on the phone. Hey, Natalie. Welcome. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me and asking me to do this. I was not expecting it as much as, you know, I'm used to setting up things for my clients, but always happy to, you know, do things for Lady Savage as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So let's just start off with, tell me about what you do at Lady Savage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll give you a little bit of my background first and kind of how it came to be because the company itself is just now turned a year old, had um, my one year anniversary actually this month, um, started in October of 2019. Um, before that, I actually started out my journey in the music industry as um, a singer, songwriter, and a recording artist myself um, when I was a teenager living on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I honestly just kind of fell into that. Um, I randomly asked my parents for a guitar for my 15th birthday. Um, and as they say, the rest is history. Um, so when I was, you know, my late teens, early twenties, I really decided to not take the traditional, uh, you know, university education college path and wanted to take a stab at just, you know, writing, recording, traveling and doing what I love the most. So I started doing that, um, and like I said, I didn't really come from a, a, you know, a musical background and I wasn't really surrounded by the music business or anything growing up. So it was a really lot of trial and error. Um, I had very, very supportive parents, luckily. And so they were just kind of down for the cause and down to help me and whatever crazy idea I had. So, um, you know, they were a lot of support, but again, it was just a lot of uh, cold calls and emails and asking people to write with me and figuring out what a performing rights organization was and <laughs> what places like BMI and CSAC and ABCAP even did. Um, you know, and all of that kind of basic stuff that now, like, fast forward 12, 13 years later, I just take for granted on a daily basis. But, you know, you realize, especially I help a lot of green artists you know, independent artists who are just starting out as well. And so I get to really kind of lean on that past experience of figuring out it on my own. And not to say I didn't get a lot of help and great advice and um, guidance from, you know, what I consider now like mentors in the industry, but, you know, it was just a lot of taking a stab in the dark sometimes and just trusting your gut instinct. So, um, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got started with music, just fully like committed. And I think when you're young like that too, and the world is your oyster kind of, and you have, you know, can take on and do anything. So I just had that mentality and just kind of went for it, you know? Um, and 
And in that process of booking all of my own shows and organizing photo shoots and, um, and, you know, I'm the kind of person where I've always been kind of like, um, I call it in a joking way, like a music snob and like a branding kind of snob, (laughs) as in like, I've always had to have my stuff kind of like look good. And I always, even though if I wasn't signed to a label, I still wanted things to look that way. And I think that that's, into my advantage now because artists basically have but you know most of them are their label before right. they even get looked at by a label right um so I've always kind of had that that mentality um and I've realized in the process of doing all of those things for myself how much I really had a passion for the business side and the administrative side of things and I feel like that's not in my experience, that's not very common for a lot of artists. You know, a lot of artists and songwriters don't like the day-to-day and don't like the fact that they have to do all of those things for right. themselves. But I really enjoyed it, um, like making spreadsheets and contact lists and um, even stuff like, you know, airfare and hotel arrangements, just all of like the nitty-gritty organizing day-to-day stuff I just really like doing. Um I guess it's like the type A part of my brain that I just feel accomplished when I can do like a million things at once. Um, the high of multitasking. I love it. <laughs> and so, um, so I moved to Nashville in 2013. I was like 22, 23. Um, like I said, I had been, it was easy at that point, easier for me to stay in my home base. Um, which was near Biloxi, Mississippi, which is about an hour east of New Orleans, just to give people kind of a context of where that is. Um, It was easier for me to stay there at the home base, honestly, and tour from there at the time. Um, Just financially, I was so young, too, like 19, 20, 21, just starting out um, and needed kind of that support of the home base. So actually, when I moved to Nashville is when I really wanted to start focusing more on the industry side of things. And so um, I didn't really know what that was going to look like at all. I just knew that I had a passion and a desire to do a whole lot of different things. Like I loved wardrobe styling. I loved art directing. I was booking a couple bands, like independent rock bands on the side of their shows and helping them get press for their tours and things like that. And I just loved all of it. Um, I ended up getting a more corporate gig at CSAC for a little while, which was one of the PROs I mentioned earlier. And um, stayed there for a little while and learned a whole bunch, you know, about copyright and more in depth just about royalties and, you know, especially like fighting for the rights of songwriters and and just learning more of what all, you know, PROs can really do for an artist and a songwriter's career. Um, Absolutely loved working for them, too. They're a great company and great people. Um, So it was an awesome experience. But during that time, I like to overwork myself, I guess. So I was working at CSAC during the day. I was working with a like cocktail waitressing and serving at nighttime at a downtown bar. And then I decided I'd also pick up an internship with a branding company to kind of test the waters. And I was still booking a band out of Austin. I was doing like some of their summer tour and press stuff for them too. Oh, wow. So I was kind of doing all of that, that at once, but <laughs> You know, I was in like my early mid twenties, and so I was just doing all the things um, right. and just not getting any sleep and loving it. So, 
I landed the internship with that PR and branding company. And they hired me on. I think I was an intern with them for maybe like six weeks. And then they decided to hire me on full time um, as their assistant brand manager. So I got to be really hands-on um, with all the clients that I worked with on a daily basis. Um, some of those clients included uh, the music producer, Tony Brown. He was the former president of MCA Records. So he discovered and signed Reba McIntyre, George Strait, Brooks and Dunn, um, just a ton of heavy hitters in the country music industry. So um, he was awesome to work with. We kind of revamped his brand, worked on a coffee table photo book with him, like with him and all the celebrities that he's worked with throughout the years. Um, he was a great client. Um, Gigi of Gigi's Cupcakes, I worked with. Um, so it hasn't always just been music. You know, there's been like lifestyle brands. Um, I worked with an interior designer as well. So I just got a lot of hands-on experience um, for a couple years working there. And also doing their press and being their publicist. So it's kind of like was a job of wearing multiple hats at once, which can be really chaotic. But like I said, I love the high of multitasking. So it was a great fit for me. And I think that's when I really found my groove and what I really wanted to do, like what I wanted my career path, you know, to be set on because I realized, wow, I get to do all of these things. I thought I just had to decide on one. And now I get to kind of help clients and help them in all areas that their brand needs. And every brand is different and every brand's idea of success is different. So it's really cool getting kind of to um, sit down with a client and figure out what exactly they need to get to that point of success that they see for themselves and kind of dissect it and break it down and strategically plan out how we're going to get there step by step and kind of lay out a timeline um, so they can see tangible progress. So that's kind of what I do. Um, so whether that's getting them press and PR for a project that they're working on, or it's setting up a photo shoot, um, if it's, you know, putting them, aligning them with the right producer for their music or the perfect graphic designer for their album covers and all their promo materials, um, you know, that's what I that's what I do and I help orchestrate. So I'm kind of, this is like the way a music producer kind of produces an album, kind of look at it as a brand manager. I, I kind of produce a, a brand and then publicize it. You know, at the end of the day is the goal. And then to hopefully monetize that. So the artist or the, the creative entrepreneur can actually see a return on the investment that they're putting into their brand. Cause at the end of the day, you know, musicians are entrepreneurs, whether some of them, I guess, want to accept that or not. Um, but you're building a business and a brand for themselves. So it's just my job and my passion to help see that come to fruition in a nutshell. That was, was really long winded. I apologize. No, honestly, I'm just over here checking off the questions that you just answered. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy crap, I've been talking forever. No, no, no. That's awesome. I think it's cool that you can kind of come from the point of view of the artist since you are an artist and you can kind of relate to all the struggles and all the things that are going on inside of our heads, um, which is usually <laughs> a lot of things. It is really helpful being, you know, 
and I, I'm, I will always say, I'll always consider myself, I'll always be a songwriter and an artist. Like, that's never changed. Now, whether or not I'm actively publicizing it or trying to, like, grow anything or worry about gaining followers and things right now on social media, et cetera, no. Uh, but that's just, I think, my personal um, thing right now. And I think that when I'm ready to share it again, that I will. Um, and then I also, on the other side of that, was I started out in like 2006, 2007, like really deciding that I wanted to pursue it as anything in the music industry, but specifically an artist. And I mean, we're talking almost 15 years ago, which parentheses, yikes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? That's so weird. I still feel like I'm 15 sometimes. Right. Um, but, but, the music industry has changed so much like in that 15 years. And we like to think that the music industry has changed so much. Like, yeah, of course, since like the nineties and CDs and radio and all that stuff. But even just from like 2010, even like it's changed so much right. until this year, um, the last 10 years. And so I really try to put myself, in the independent artist shoes now, like knowing how it feels to be a bleeding heart and an artist and a songwriter in this world. And on top of that, put the current climate into that into play. And it's so difficult. Like it's so hard to be an independent artist right now. And that's why I have such a heart for helping the true talented ones who like just need that, push or just need that guidance or just need a little direction a little like connection something to get the spark going or to get the fan engagement going um because there's so much noise out there right now because in the past 10 years especially like youtube culture everybody's just like i can sing i'm gonna buy a guitar and some headphones and have my youtube set up and like put anything and everything out um but the great thing about true art is that like it, it won't ever get drowned out. And so you can get weighed down by all of these new things like Spotify, this algorithms that now live streams with like, you know, live shows not happening. Um, it can just all get a really, really just really daunting. Um, and so that's why I just have such a passion for helping the artists, um, who just need like how do I get started and then also the artists maybe who have been doing this for a while like, I have some clients who are like seasoned Nashville songwriters and awesome artists who have had you know deals with Columbia Pictures or CMT and write-ups like an American songwriter um and have some things under their belt now um but again sometimes people come to me and they just need to get maybe like pulled out of the the sinking sand of just feeling overwhelmed by social media and algorithms and all this stuff right. and followers and likes and all this stuff and to kind of sit down and really refocus like okay let's just start from ground zero like point blank like let's dissect your brand because some people don't even know what that is they're like what do you mean what's my brand or like what's I'm like, What's your thing that makes you tick? What's your thing that makes you stand out? That makes you an individual? Um, 
there's a quote from Elvis Presley that I can't remember it exactly or off the top of my head, but I saw it when I visited Christland last year. That was something like um, talent is being able to, to, to sell what you're feeling, you know? So it's like, you've got to be able to, even though art's first and the song's first, you still kind of have to figure out how to package that up and to brand it correctly. Yeah. And that can be a hard thing to do. For sure. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, it's even a challenge where we really, you know, an artist comes and we really have to sit down and I make them, you know, answer a bunch of questions and go back and kind of think on it by themselves and meditate on some things and, and really figure out like, what is at the end of the day, what's your message? Like, what are you wanting fans every time they go to your Instagram feed, every time they look at an Instagram story, a Facebook post, a press release comes out to your website, to what your album artwork looks like. I mean, everything, it all needs to be saying the same cohesive message. Right. And once an artist or a band or a creative entrepreneur like hones in on that and that like clicks with them then it becomes so much easier to make even just day-to-day decisions like what you're going to post that day or what your stories are going to be that week Uh, you know you can kind of find an alignment um once you have your brand built and that core foundation you know what that is uh again, it's so much easier for all that other stuff to kind of not fall into place because everything's super intentional, but it looks like it all fell into place. So that's kind of like the magic, you know, that you see someone's Instagram feed, it looks flawless and like you can, all the color palette, all the, all the pictures have the same vibe, you know, everything's telling the same story. And that, and that can change from campaign to campaign. Obviously, an artist doesn't say the same forever. Um, but that's just what I kind of try to help clients do from the get-go when they come to me for, like, brain management help um, and things like that. I mean, on the other side, I, I do just do straight-up press campaigns. You know, if, if an artist comes to me and they have a project coming out and they just straight-up want press that you know then we can hit the and they have all of their assets together meaning they have press photos already in place they have their their epk together they have their website they have their socials up to date and we can hit the ground running um but you'd be surprised how many artists like think they're ready to to pitch their music and to get press and i have to really gently like take them you know bear them and be like it's okay or it's good, but, but we've got to get this so much better because that's some of the first things that editors and journal and journalists of these blogs and magazines look at. They go to your Instagram, they go to your Facebook, they go to your Spotify, your Twitter, your YouTube maybe, and they look at your content, they look at your fan engagement, they do look at your numbers, but they're also looking at, you know, the engagement on there too. Um so that's really important because if you have 50,000 followers, but you only have 20 likes then like something's not right there. Um, and on the other side of things, if you have 1200 followers, but you're getting like three, 400 likes on everything, your engagement is really high. So that just means that we just have to get you out there more, but you have, 
you have the goods that people are connecting to. We just got to get, get more eyes on it. Um, so anyway, but that's what press really looks at, you know, and that's what I was saying, how much the, it's changed, especially in the last 10 years. It used to not be that way. They really wouldn't, you know, Instagram wasn't popping like and everything like it is now. Um, there still was social media, but I just feel like it's just become a whole different beast um, in the last decade, especially. So those things are really important. You know, clients definitely need to know that, you know, you might not be ready for PR yet, and that's okay because um, we can spend some time be ready for PR. And then another thing independent artists who've never had maybe any press before need to realize is you have to get press to get more press. Um, it, I mean, I'm not going to say it's near impossible, but if any publicist or PR firm guarantees you any placements, I would probably run in the other direction. Um, because when you're paying a PR firm, you're not paying for placements, you're paying for their efforts. And so I think that sometimes gets missed, um, with a lot of brand new green artists too, or, or artists who haven't, you know, ever worked with a publicist before. So I try to explain all that and set the expectations and set a timeline. And that's what I was saying earlier. I really like setting out like a strategy and a timeline with my clients so they can actually see that we're getting somewhere because PR can be kind of a frustrating world, right? Because you can pitch, pitch and pitch and you can have all these connections, but if they don't have room for it or it's just not the right timing right now and they want to feature it in like a month from now, um, you know, the client, you just have to set expectations. And if they don't have any press before, it's going to be hard to get them in Rolling Stone if you haven't had stuff in your local. Right. Leaders. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of like a given, but sometimes, you know, I'm like I said, I'm an artist and a songwriter, so I totally get it. You want to go from, you know, you have a good material, you know, you just put all your blood, sweat and tears into a project. It totally deserves to be, in Rolling Stone country or American songwriter or, you know, whatever, but you don't have the previous, you know, affiliations or kind of accolades or press to back that up. That doesn't mean that you won't in six months or a year from now. That just means that we just have some work to do. Um, and everybody's pace is different and everybody's, you know, success definition is different. So. Um, you know, I try to, I try to encourage clients with that too, um, at, at the same time. So again, like I, I, my passion is like the, the brand management and, and doing all of that to get the clients ready for PR, but I can definitely just take just like any other, uh, PR firm or publicist, I can take what you already have and see where it sticks but there's just probably a way better chance of us getting that yes from the get-go if we already had all of our all of our ducks in a row. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. Um, so I was going to yeah. ask you about, um, and we've kind of already covered it all, but um, your services. I was looking on your website at your your basic pitch package, which is hilarious, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But so yeah, Every I was just I read it. I read the other word, but I'm right. <laughs> I love it. But there's a lot that you offer. So maybe let's just talk about that. The way that works 
with my clients is just it's retainer based. So it just depends on what the clients need, right? So if if uh, if they only need PR, it's going to be a lower monthly retainer than if they need full PR services and full brand development services. Um, and then also if they just need the brand development services kind of in the beginning and then they want to kind of day-to-day manage themselves later and I can kind of shift over and just go full PR mode, then their retainer can kind of shift. So they're still paying that lower rate. I'm just fully focusing on PR now that their brand's built up and they're kind of handling the more day-to-day stuff themselves. Um, so there's just different ways that I can work with people. Cause I really, I mean, I try my best to work with independent artist budgets because I know what it's like being one and I know how much it costs to accomplish things and to record things and get graphic design done. And all of that adds up to so much that um, I understand, but at the same time, like if an artist is at the point in the career where they need to hire someone like me, like for publicity, um, then they should definitely have that budget in place because it's definitely worth it. Um, when your brand's ready and it's built up and it's ready to go and you're ready for press, I mean, it's a game changer. Press isn't like a, a, a make you famous kind of thing, but even though some, you know, clients or whomever, like, might think that's where they get started. Like, okay, I get this placement and that's going to be it. Like I'm going to blow up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get this placement in Rolling Stone and I'm going to have like 10,000 new streams when I wake up and like 20,000 more Instagram followers. And that's just not the way it works. You know, it's a building process. So again, it's the whole like setting expectations kind of thing. So, so coming from someone who's never hired PR or marketing, I'm sure it varies, but what kind of price point would someone be looking at to start a campaign? I mean, just maybe a general type of idea, because I, I mean, I just have no clue. Is it hundreds, thousands? For sure. So um, you're going to get for most freelance publicists and like small PR firms ranging, like starting about $1,200, $1,250 a month for PR services. And that's pitching you, you know, doing editorial pitches for blogs, magazines, that's print, digital, um, for me, for musicians, that's, you know, live stream takeovers, uh, live stream festivals right now, um, anything attached to, you know, podcasts, radio interviews right now, it's kind of like television appearances are being like pre-filmed, you know, television appearances and things like that. Um, so that's that's normal. I mean, I've I've seen you know freelance publicists do as low as like six or seven hundred dollars a month for just like one-off PR campaigns. So that's usually kind of the range that it goes in. But I mean, the higher up you go, there's PR retainers that I mean are two thousand a month, three thousand a month, five, ten thousand a month. I mean, you know, and those are for more like corporate and like label you know, major label PR, even independent label PR and things like that. But for just an independent person, like creative entrepreneur or musician, I mean, you're going to look between an average of like a thousand dollars a month. So between seven and 1200. Cool. Well, um, do you have any advice for the people who are listening? Um, I always, well, I harp on my clients all the time about social media. Cause you know, like we talked about in the beginning of 
our conversation. It is such a huge, you know, part of the artist's career now. And it's kind of one of those things that you can fight it, but it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's important to stay consistent on that. Be consistent in your social media. And what I mean by that is post regularly and figure out what your fans engage with. And you don't have to have thousands and thousands of fans to know that. Even if you only have like two, 300 followers right now, you have at least 10 or 15 little people that like each of your posts. Find out what they're responding to. Find out what they want to see more of. Um, and make that content for them. I, I was part of like a virtual conference that music, the Music Business Association put on earlier this week. And there was a, a band on there called Infinity Song and they're awesome. And they're a group of siblings from New York, but they literally said something that just stood out to me. And they said, we create content on our social media that serves our audience. And I think that that was so beautiful because they were just like, we want to serve our fans. Like we want to just make music that makes and make content that makes their lives better and that they feel connected to and like that they can come back to and almost feel comforting because they can like, whether they go to their, their Spotify and stream their music or they go to their Instagram feed or their Instagram reels and see their videos. The the people feel comforted because there's consistency and they're giving their fans exactly like what they want. Um, And so I think that's, that's just something to take with you serve your audience, no matter what size it is. And those people that 300 will turn into 3000 will turn into 30,000, 300,000 possibly you know, but at the end of the day, no matter how many people it ends up growing into, the, those people are going to be like your people. Those are going to be your grassroots, ride or die, I'm buying the special merch people. Um, and I'd rather have 300 of those than just, you know, a random 30,000 of people who For sure. don't even really know me. So, yeah, <laughs> or exactly. Really care. Exactly. So I just say be consistent, make make sure your brand is on point. If it's not, or you don't even know what I'm talking about, reach out to me. (laughs) Um, and maybe I can help you, um, take into consideration that, uh, things do take a budget, but they don't have, it doesn't have to be crazy. Um, you know, it doesn't have to cost you tens of thousands of dollars, but, um, it will cost you a little bit. So make sure if you have something in mind, like be saving for it, get some quotes from people up front, tell them, Hey, I'm not ready yet, but I'm trying to get some ideas. Um, what I can afford and what I can save up for. I mean, there's no shame in that whatsoever. Um, but just be upfront in the beginning. Don't act like you're going to hire somebody and then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Be like that's out of my budget or just drop off i mean just be honest say hey i'm just really trying to get some numbers i love what you do would love to work with you in the future what do you charge gather all those numbers up whether it's you know you need a photo shoot you need graphic design done you need your website redone you need to hire a publicist anything like that just you know find out those hard costs and you know really save up for them and while you're saving up really take that time 
to answer those questions like what is your message what do you want people to feel and think and you know gravitate towards when they when they see your music and your social media stuff like what what do you want to spark in people so you know you can be working on all of that while you're saving up um, and then when you do you know want to pull the trigger and and hire some people to help then you'll have a way better clearer vision you know of what you want and then the people can help you guide you in that direction and try to get you get you to that next step so those are just some things that I would recommend making sure your brand's vision you know you start figuring out what that is and getting all of those steps maybe you start saving up or start a hiring process whatever that looks like for you um, and in the meantime, just be building up your social media. Cause like I said, that's what everybody looks at first. So as long as it's consistent and authentic and it's serving your fans, I think you're in good shape. Um, and that at least you can go to bed and lay your head down at night and know that you're being true to yourself and that you have at least, whether it's five or 50 or 500, you know, people that are on your side. I think that's pretty cool. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I think that's great advice. And I definitely agree about having the loyal fans because those are the people that are, you know, going to stick around and, and love you. But yeah, thank you for that. I feel like you're giving me inspiration too. So <laughs> yay. Um, where can people find out more about you? Well, they can go to ladiesavagemanagement.com and management is spelled out. Um, and they can click on that contact tab there at the top um, and send an email through that. Um, or they can just send one to hello at ladiesavagement.com. And they can find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. And that handle is at ladiesavagemgmt. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on, Natalie. Absolutely. It was awesome to meet you. Yeah, you too. Have a great night. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. All right. It's song of the week time. This week's song is Higher by Bailey Hager. She is based out of the Nashville area and just released this song last Friday. So it's brand new. It's dancey, it's fun. Um, if you want to check it out, you can hear the full song on the Groove Lab Song of the Week playlist. I'll link to it down below. Also, Bailey is going to be on the podcast for her own interview in just a couple weeks. So be looking out for that. If you would like to submit your new song for our Song of the Week playlist, shoot me an email, groovelabpodcast at gmail.com. And I hope you guys have the best week ever. I'll see you next week with a new interview. Stay groovy. Thank you.